Hey East Meets West listeners, in this week's episode, Albert and I are taking a look back on our deep dive into Kupang to see what's changed in one of Korea's largest e-commerce providers. South Korea is projected to become the third largest e-commerce market in the world behind the US and China, but when we last looked at Kupang, there were big concerns about profitability and continuing to scale up operations. A lot's changed one year on with Kupang's latest reporting, which we're about to break down for you. As always, keep listening and enjoy. Welcome to the East Meets West podcast, a podcast about understanding Asia tech and how Asia tech affects the world. My name is Dan. Joining me with a sniffly nose, Albert, how are you doing? Dan, I'm going good. I think it's because I sat next to someone the other day in a meeting and they were sick. So now I'm a bit <laughs> sick, which is a bit annoying because I have another meeting with that person tomorrow. Well, at least it's not a third person uh, and you increase the chain of sickness. You're just giving back what you got. Exactly, Albert. exactly. And speaking about giving back what we got... Uh, we're talking about Kupang. I don't know if that was really a good... Um, tenuous, tenuous A good... Segue. Yeah, uh, well, I, I tried, I tried. So, we are looking at Kupang today. This is a bit of a return, almost a year since we first looked at Kupang. Obviously, check out that breakdown uh, if you want just a little bit more in-depth before we dive into this one here. But just in terms of structure, Albert, we'll probably do a little bit of a shallow overview of Kupang again for listeners who aren't aware. And then we're kind of just going to do an update uh, because they've recently done their earnings report. A few key areas have stood out, particularly against some of the feedback you had in our last episode, Albert. So it's good to revisit. But overall, I'm keen to get into this one because I was really excited about Kupang when we first did it. And nothing has changed for me since then. Nice. I mean, this is a pretty rare one, but good to good to revisit. It might, might be one of the first times we've revisited a business on the pod. So, Kupang, a South Korean e-commerce company, uh, you know, put simply, it makes its money by selling consumer items through its e-commerce platform. It also has now spread out into food delivery, video streaming, and some advertising services. One of the sort of key things that differentiates Kupang and for people who aren't living in South Korea and have, you know, experience with Amazon and other e-commerce providers, uh, it's this difference where over 90% of their orders are all completed within 24 hours. You know, they're receiving their goods by ordering the night before, particularly sort of grocery goods, and then they receive it next day by 7 a.m., something which is you know, made possible by the densely packed streets of South Korea and the logistics services that Kupang has, has built out. But they really have made their bread and butter around themselves being this e-commerce logistics company on par with Amazon, but just in the Asia region. Nice. Good overview, Dan. I'd add to that, they, they kind of split their business into two segments. The first is what they call product commerce. So that's their 1P and their 3P e-commerce business. When you talk about 1P, that's really anything that they're building themselves. It's a product that they've like manufactured through their supply chain and now selling. 3P is anything within their marketplace that they're selling and providing their platform as an avenue for, uh, for growth. And then they've got their kind of developing offering segment, 
which is again very similar. They're one p and three p e-commerce business, but in international markets, they've got Coupang Eats, Coupang Play. Coupang Eats being a food delivery business, kind of like Uber Eats. Coupang Plays video streaming, and then they've got a fintech business. So. I guess you can think about it as two kind of core product segments, product commerce, and then developing offerings. Yeah, and when we look across those different verticals, you might start to wonder a little bit, oh, why is a food delivery company also got a video streaming service? I think we'd find it a little bit odd if DoorDash or if Uber Eats had an equivalent like Netflix service on the back of it. It kind of goes to how Coupon sees themselves as a company. Their tagline is wanting their customer to you know, wonder how did they ever live without Coupon. So that's why they're really trying out all these different verticals to engage, satisfy, and delight their customer across a variety of, of, of streams, which kind of brings us, I think, now looking forward as we've done the overview of Coupon Albert into where they're heading, where they've succeeded over the last couple of years, because it was an inflection point, as you can imagine, for a lot of delivery services. You had COVID-19 with all its associated lockdowns, which in some ways bolstered businesses as there's more and more deliveries. It also really put pressure on supply chains and had challenges for these businesses. Now, about a year removed, a bit of a return to normal. We can start to look at Coupon with fresh eyes. What did you see out of it? Yeah, so, I mean, Coupang's super interesting because if you listen to the pod, I'm happy to kind of outlay some of our commentary on this episode now from our previous episode. I was pretty kind of bearish, for lack of a better word, on Coupang. You were pretty bullish. I think a key hinge point um, on our discussion last year was the fact they were both cash flow negative and unprofitable, and they rely on a pretty a pretty heavy CapEx outlay for their first party products, which means because they're building and manufacturing these products themselves, it requires pretty substantial upfront investment into those products and then infrastructure to kind of wholesale, store, distribute it, etc. So that was a bit of a hinge point. And in that episode, Dan, you were pretty optimistic about their ability to control their margins and start to play around with their products to then shift towards profitability and cash flow positive. I was fairly negative, um, especially since that happened, you know, almost a year ago to the day now. But looking at their most recent annual report, they've actually done this. Oh, sorry, most recent quarterly report. They've actually done this. They managed to move the needle completely as a business and they are now profitable and cash flow positive, which, uh, you know, it's incredible to think about that this business um, could do that in, in such a 12-month period of time. I think the key point to kind of hone in there when we're talking about the, the unit economics of these delivery businesses is that the margins can be really, really small, particularly when you're dealing in third-party goods. So an example would be if you're an Amazon, if you're a Coupang, and you're delivering some Nike shoes to someone, that's a third-party good. You're essentially having to get it from Nike's warehouse to your warehouse, then to the cu- customer you're not getting much of a margin on that product because Nike's you know, charging a fixed price for their shoes and you can only kind of layer so much on top of that before the customer goes, well, why don't I just get it delivered from Nike directly? So all, for all those reasons, margins get really heavily squeezed, which is why, Albert, as you said, they invested quite heavily in some of their own manufacturing logistic companies. 
so that they can kind of cut out a lot of the chaff that's there. So even if you're selling third-party goods, if now they're using your warehouses, you just make that last mile delivery so much more efficient. And what they have leveled up in is also providing their own kind of white label goods and Amazon's done the same as well because then again, it just increases your margin that you can have off all these products. So really, to me, that's what's turned it around for Coupang is they've just honed in on some of the unit economics that are required for a delivery business to work at scale. Yeah, so I mean, I would they don't break it out in the annual report, but I would hypothesize that their third party unit economics are much better than their first party unit economics. So if you you look at like dollar for dollar for their first party products, they're actually going to manufacture that, and then so that's like the upfront capital expense, and then they've got to like sell it and distribute it. But for their third party products, they're just taking a clip of the marketplace. So the, the in aggregate. The dollar itself is lower, but you are generating a higher margin because you're not having to distribute. You're not having to create the product. You don't have the inventory risk on your balance sheet if something doesn't sell. I think what's worth calling out is like the business is humming pretty nicely. I think they're generating about a 1.6% profit margin, which means for every dollar they bring into the business, they're generating... 1.6 cents which is you know it's fairly good for a retail business but i think in in aggregate because they are such a behemoth of a business in terms of size they're generating you know millions hundreds of millions in profit each quarter now that's an interesting kind of um terminology used there, Albert. you know as a retail business because that really is how coupon sees themselves in their you know quarterly reports when they look at their tam their total addressable market they're not, you know, comparing themselves with other e-commerce providers. They're saying our TAM is that brick-and-mortar retail store. You know, your grocery stores, if you're in Australia, your Woolworths and Coles. Um, for me, that's what really makes Coupang exciting because when you look at the runway, they've barely captured any of that market. When you're thinking about the daily day, the day-to-day grocery purchases that people make, Plus on top of that, you know, your other deliveries, your consumable items, your discretionary items. And then if you add in things like, you know, video streaming and stuff like that, you really start to see that Coupon can operate on a lot of different levels and really service their customers in a way which not too many other businesses are. Like I mentioned at the top, Uber Eats isn't doing this, DoorDash isn't doing this, but Coupon is, is looking to the future to really do a 360 service for their customers. Yeah, I think the way they think about retail and why they think that's a TAM is I, I like not to contextualize as like the Amazon playbook, but there is like obviously a lot of similarities into how Coupang has thought about and executed on their business and how Amazon has also executed on their business. And I, I think I should just correct myself because their, their margin is actually 4.2, not 1.6%. Uh, so it's like 4.2 cents per, per dollar. But I think it's worth calling out that like that is the most profitable part of their business. Again, very similar to Amazon and their retail business, which is like this part of their business is profitable. So the, the core product, the core product commerce business. They've obviously got their developing business, which is like Coupang Eats, the fintech business that is actually still unprofitable um, and bleeding a fair amount of money. But I think Coupang has now got one part of their business humming to help them like cross subsidize a growth area of their business 
in the same way that Amazon has done that, say, with AWS or Prime Video. Well, if we're going to talk about sort of cross-subsidization, Albert, let's talk a little bit about cross-pollination. One of the big things for Amazon is obviously Amazon Prime memberships. How do you use that to then inform other parts of your service? And obviously a key thing would be for Amazon, you get free delivery with Amazon Prime, and then it also works in with their video subscription as well. The equivalent for Coupang is uh, their WOW uh, membership. So Rocket Wow is their paid subscription service. So that's got similar perks like free or one day delivery discounts on certain products. But when they start looking at how that sort of captured across all of their users, they've got a pretty low uh, uptake. Only about 20% of their active customers, I think, are part of their WOW program. So how do you see them kind of lifting that, Albert? Or why is it necessary for them to lift that focus on subscription? Yeah, I, I, it's a good question. I think there is there is a great, um, again, case study to follow with Prime. But for, for Coupang, I mean, WOW for them is kind of just a free clip on their existing revenue base. So if you imagine your customers who are using WOW and then you can manage, you slowly manage to convert some of them into like a monthly or annual subscription, they're probably already using the product. You can now push a few more things to them. It's an additional revenue stream that is incredibly high margin that they can then take to help then cross-subsidize, like you said, Dan, other parts of the business. I think this is a great a great push by Coupang. I think the key is like showing the value prop in actually having to make or incentivizing customers to uptake their wow. And they do talk about this in their latest earnings report, which is like looking to help and incentivize their user base to take up wow subscriptions by offering larger savings and obviously they've probably done the price analysis to see like what the savings is versus their margin but i think now i was skeptical but now i feel like coupang have shown that they can deliver hard on what they've said they're going to do and so i imagine coupang's probably going to go strength to strength from this experience yeah, as we sort of close out, one of the things which I'm looking at and which Coupang's looking at is expanding out selection. So it's a kind of interesting way they've looked at it. They've got these three levers, as they say. One is um, best experience and one is best price. And that's been their focus for the last couple of years is really delivering on service and price. So there's sort of that wow membership adoption as well as just sort of continuing, you know, lack of churn of their customers. But now where I think they see <clears throat> how to focus on WOW memberships taking off, it's to increase selection. So if you can imagine, you know, you've got instead of one customer sort of servicing themselves with 10 different products across Coupang, now increasing that up to 20 different product categories, then there's much more of a reason a, because they're purchasing more things through Coupang to get a WOW membership for some of the cheaper um, delivery perks, but also you get some of the savings on different categories as well. And they've seen this kind of correlate very well across their business where when you've got more active customers across, say, nine of the over 20 categories that they offer, they're purchasing more than 2.5 times the amount of an average customer. So Coupang's got a really clear-eyed view on some of these key stats which they're tracking and all of it kind of goes around engaging their customer, increasing basket size, increasing uh, profitability.
Yeah, there's always a balance here in like offering more selection and choice and then like the balance sheet risk for, for Coupang because if they are manufacturing this as a first-party manufacturer versus the third-party manufacturer, if you can't manage to ship these products that you've manufactured as you've increased the selection, then you're kind of stuck with dead weight. I think it is like interesting to see how that like the product category or like the stock keeping units increases with customer appetite. Uh, I'm sure there's probably a saturation point, but you know, for Coupang and the amount of volume that they're shipping and creating and delivering to customers, I don't think they've exactly, I don't think they've exceeded it yet. All right, Albert, any last words as we wrap up? I mean, I was wrong about Coupang a year ago. I think on a macro level, it's like nice to like look at and listen to our opinion about Coupang and talk about what needs to be true and what we don't like and then see them actually execute on that. So, I think it's if anyone's listening to this and hasn't listened to our Coupang episode, definitely worth listening to it, especially because I, I, I'm like happy to admit I was wrong. This business has like turned a profit, has done really well in the past 12 months. So, like kudos to Coupang. Yeah, my last sort of thoughts, one of the things I like, obviously you can go in the minutiae of some of these earning reports, the transcripts, etc. I love the presentations because I love visually what can a company put on a page to show a narrative? What's the story they're trying to project? And you can then cross-reference that compared to other companies and you can kind of work out what the cliche narratives are. And, you know, a cliche narrative for me is always Tam, you know, that, that story of, this is what we currently have, this is what we could have, okay, great, um, doesn't really show you much of substance. One of the unique graphics which I've seen out of Coupang is this tracking of their cohorts, you know, someone, a customer that's been with them for one year, two years, three years, four years, five years, and showing the trend in uh, essentially basket size over those years, where essentially the longer they've had a consumer, the more they're starting to spend with them just in terms of in the proportion of their basket size, which to me is a really interesting growth factor because they're a young company. Start to project that out and you have, you know, 10 years worth of customers, 20 years worth of customer. It becomes a very compelling business. And that's a growth story, which I don't think many of these delivery companies are telling. The fact that Coupang's got the numbers to back it up to me is is that's the one to watch yeah great great very spot on dan i I think that's probably true and that's probably a big lever for coupang to keep pushing on which is like repeat orders and basket size to keep growing you know their their revenue clip and hopefully keep pushing cash flow positivity okay albert let's wrap up there thank you for listening to the east meets west podcast a podcast about understanding asia tech and how asia tech affects the world Albert's going to get better for next week. Uh, but if you haven't already, you know, subscribe, follow. All of it really helps Albert uh, get well. Uh, thanks again, and we'll see you next week. See ya.